Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Wall in for Smithy, who is back for you tomorrow. Back from his uh, World Cup sojourn, no doubt there'll be a ton of stories to go with that. Joining me now, though, uh, to talk a different World Cup, the FIFA World Cup starts Monday morning New Zealand time, is Adam Summerton, uh, football commentator out of the UK. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Good morning, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to chat, mate. Good to chat. World Cup uh, on our back doorstep, of course, uh, not too far away from kicking off. Uh, I've got to say, uh, Qatar Ecuador doesn't quite drum up some of the opening matches that we've had in the past World Cup. But <laughs> hey, I suppose you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. What one of my children was saying to me: "What's the opening games out of the World Cup?" And I said Qatar Ecuador, and I got a fairly muted response. Yeah, it, it isn't. It, it isn't a huge draw, is it, for the opening game? But yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to. I'm actually quite curious to see Qatar because I don't. I mean, not a lot of people know a great deal about them, if we're honest, do they? Unless you've really gone out your way to study them and find out about them. So I know that in in the run-up to the World Cup over the last couple of years, they have picked up some pretty surprising results. So it, it will be actually, as, as much as, yeah, it isn't an eye-catcher, is it? But it will be nice to see the host in action, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I had a look at some of the uh, the games that they have had recently, and they they have done okay, but not great. I mean, they drew two all with Chile. It's probably their best recent result, but they've lost 2-0 to Canada. They lost 3-0 to the Croatian under-23s, which is obviously their Olympic team. They've drawn one all with uh, uh, Jamaica, and they've lost to Ghana A as well. Oh, sorry, beaten Ghana A. So they're not exactly set the world on fire, but they should be competitive. Well, And they they will play a nice brand of football as well because the, the guy who's in charge, Felix Sanchez, he worked at Barcelona's La Masia Academy, people might be aware, and he was there for a long time, actually, um, from the, the mid-90s to 2006. So very much schooled in the Barcelona way of playing. So you know that's clearly going to have an influence in that respect on the side. So that's another thing that could mean that they might be quite attracted to watch, actually. So, um, yeah, we'll see what we get from them. But I, I am quite intrigued knowing that there's somebody who's so schooled or... or so learned in that side of the game is is going to be in charge of them. That's, that should make them interesting to watch as well. Yeah, I, I guess it all comes down to the cattle he's got to work with, and they have imported a lot of that. I, I think um, 10 of the starting 11 <laughs> for the last game weren't born in Qatar, so they've naturalised a lot of guys through yeah. their Aspire Academy, haven't they? Absolutely, yeah, that has been a, a big part of it. Um, yeah, and, and he's been very much involved in that as well, Felix Sanchez. So, yeah, it's... 
I, I suppose <laughs> for, from my part of the world, it, it makes me think of uh, the Republic of Ireland and Jack Charlton and that type of situation, but uh, which brings back memories of the past. But yeah, I mean, I suppose that they've, they've got they've had to try and make them competitive because, as we all know, every World Cup I can ever remember has benefited from the host being in it as long as possible. It just helps the whole competition, doesn't it? If the the home side have a good run, if they go out very early in the group stage, which I suppose there's still every chance they will, it's it's not often great for the tournament, is it? You you want the the home nation to be a good story, really, for the health and the good of the tournament. So let's let's see what they can do. Yeah, the opening games against Ecuador, who obviously uh, qualified out of South America, they took points off both Argentina and Brazil. And I think, if I'm right in saying in 2019, they were the South American under-20 champions, Ecuador. So we're starting to see that generation come through. So uh, the Ecuadorians might be a bit of a dark horse in this group. Of course, Senegal and Netherlands also in it. And they're probably the two teams you look at and think will progress. Yeah, I mean, Ecuador, uh, not really one of the more fancied sides from, from that part of the world in, in terms of, the, of going a long way in the competition. But I do think they'll have players who can surprise people. There's a lot of speed about their side. There's a fair degree of physicality as well. Um, a player that people may well know about is um, the Brighton midfielder, um, Moises Caicedo. He plays in a defensive midfield role. He certainly encapsulates to the, the qualities there that I mentioned, that physicality, speed across the ground as well. Um, they've, they've got players dotted about some of the European leagues. So I think they will be competitive, yeah. Yeah, uh, Senegal, a lot for them will depend on how fit Sadio Mane is. He went down against, uh, you know, playing for Bayern Munich a week or so ago. Has been named in the team, but, I mean, he's key for their success, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're talking here about the, the reigning uh, Africa Cup of Nations champions as well. So they have to be taken seriously, you know, and they've got some good players too. Certainly doesn't uh, end um, with Sadio Mane. You've got Khalidou Koulibaly, who's maybe had a difficult start to life in the Premier League, but was, I mean, he's, he's got legendary status at Napoli where he was for so long. So, you know, the, the, in him, they've got a real leader, somebody who they can rely on in terms of um, uh, those leadership qualities and, and, and certainly defensively as well. He's a big factor in them playing out from the back. I mean, he's somebody who, again, it's a bit strange really in that Chelsea, he's got a reputation as somebody who's not good on the ball, but I, honestly, that couldn't be more... It's the polar opposite, really, that I've noticed from watching him at Napoli over the years. Completed so many forward passes. You know, the sort of defender who will look to play it out into the midfield with precision. Um, so, so he will be really important. And as I say, you know, it, we'll see how fit Sadio Mane is. But you, you're absolutely right to highlight the fact that, that he is really important to them. And you know, they have other players as well who, who I think can, can play a big part in his absence. But he's... I mean, he's a real world-class player, isn't he? They really need to be able to rely on. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, the Dutch are probably the favourites to win the group. Uh, Louis van Gaal coaching this team. Um, and it's a quite a young team, but a lot of promise. And you look at the starting 11, or the first you know, the first choice 11, I guess you would say, for the Dutch, with guys like uh, Memphis Depay, Virgil van Dijk, Cody Gakpo, etc. Uh, if they can keep that team fit, they could go deep in this tournament. Yeah, they're an intriguing prospect because obviously they're led by a very experienced coach in Louis van Gaal who's overcome uh, a serious illness to be part of all this. So people might not know, but he was 
diagnosed with cancer um, not that long ago, actually, and has been sort of fighting in private and has, has managed to get well enough to be able to take the team to Qatar, which is, a, is an unbelievable story in itself. But um, in terms of a couple of young players that, that are, are going to be in the squad, Cody Gakpo, who you just mentioned, and Xabi Simons, they're both at PSV. I actually went out to Eindhoven um, a month or so ago and watched them against Arsenal. They were both really good on the night. They've had exceptional seasons. They'll provide some X factor. I think Gakpo's a more likely starter maybe than Simons. We'll see on that. But there is, it looks like he might play with a back three. I know they haven't done for a while, but then towards the end of the qualification process and just recently, they have been playing with the three. Um, so obviously Virgil van Dijk will be the, the main man in that, but they are blessed in terms of having a depth in, in quality in terms of centre-backs right now. That said, they do lead quite a few goals, um, so maybe he wants to play three at the black back to, to, to counteract that a little bit and try and make them that a little bit more solid. Maybe he just feels it will get the best out of the players that, that they have as well around the side. A bit of a worry is the centre-forwards. I know they've got Veghorst there, um, he's a very tall target man. They've got Memphis Depay who can play centre forward. But when you remember great Dutch sides of the past, great centre forwards that they've had, you know, people like Van Nistelrooy and Van Persie, they don't really have anybody like that right now. And I wonder whether if we get beyond into the latter stages of the competition, whether that's something that could catch up with them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, actually. All right. Uh, who have you got going out of Group A, mate? Are you, you're going the Dutch and Senegal? Yes, I would, yeah. I think it's going to be as much as, you know, as I said earlier, for the tournament, it would be good if the hosts got out of the group. It's very difficult to make a case for them. And I think that whilst, yeah, I mean, Ecuador have got good players who they've got plenty dotted about the European leagues. I just don't think that either of those nations have got the the, the X factor or the the depth of quality that Senegal and and Netherlands have. So, yeah, I I would say they they would be the top two, yeah. Group B, of course, England is uh, the top team in that group with Iran, USA and the Welsh. Feels very much like it's England's group to lose in a, in a three-way battle for second place. It does, but they're famous last words when you're an Englishman like me. <laughs> um, I don't think it's anything that we can take too for granted. I think clearly when you've got um, you know an all-British affair against Wales, that's almost like a local derby and we know that in, when it, it is a local derby that to a degree, you know, form goes out the window to use an, a footballing cliche. So, um, you know, Wales have, well, yes, on paper, England are the better side, as we saw at, at the European Championship when they came up against each other, when, um, if memory serves me right, England won that in added time, didn't they? And, and it was the Welsh that went further in the competition. They got to the semi-finals. Um, so yeah nothing can be taken for granted against the Welsh you know if Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale and one or two others are, are on their game particularly Bale then they will be a, a difficult proposition Iran for me are the weakest team in the group and, and England should you know all things being well comfortably beat Iran um, although again they do they do have one or two players that, that might catch the I think the, the Iranian situation has been affected in the lead up to this politically as well because you might be aware of the ongoing situation in the country right now i think that's been a real difficult distraction for them in the lead up to this so that that is a difficult situation for the coach to to have just in the lead up to a major tournament but i I guess with the usa as well i mean they they're a side who um I, i would be a little bit worried about facing again england should beat them but you know you've got someone like pulisic who's maybe feels he's got a point to prove up against uh, you know, England be, being playing in the Premier League and, and has struggled, really, in the Premier League of late. And it's not turned out to be a great move for him. 
to Chelsea. So he's the star man for the USA. And as I say, he might feel that he's uh, he needs to redress the balance slightly in opinions on him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops out of there. So England and then a, a, a really a toss of the corn between US and Wales is what you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, that that would be my guess. But um, again, I'd stress that from an England perspective, I, I don't think anybody's getting carried away here. I mean, we've, we've, we've been there with the USA in the past. And remember the Rob Green incident those years ago. What was that, about a decade ago now? Um, so, you know, there, there, there have been slip-ups against nations like this in the past. So England will have to tread carefully, but you would, ex- you would expect England to win that group. They would have to be the favourites. Yeah, and, and like that in Group C, Argentina favourites over the Saudis, Mexico and Poland, um, probably between Mexico and Poland for second place? Yeah, I would say so. I don't think that Poland may be as strong as they've been at majors because they've qualified for several major tournaments in a row, the Polish. They've done really well. I mean, you could argue they're punching above their weight. Lewandowski is a big part of that. I think Zielinski at Napoli is a wonderful footballer. Um, they've got others there as well, but there's a little bit of a changeover with, with Poland. Uh, as I say, I'm not convinced that they're quite as strong as they have in, in more recent tournaments. But if you've got Lewandowski, you've got a chance, haven't you? Uh, and as I say, Zielinski, there's others I could mention as well. I, I think they will be a, a decent side. Uh, Saudi Arabia, I have to be honest, I've not seen a great deal of. Uh, Argentina, the huge favourites for, for that group, yeah, a team that are very capable of going on and winning. It's the thing with Argentina, though, Ricardo, is the pressure on the players going into this. When you know they haven't won the World Cup since '86, and the fact that this is likely to be Messi's final shot at it means that, as I say, the pressure for them to deliver in this tournament is, is immense. Because Messi would be 39 come the, the 2026 World Cup, so. It is probably his last opportunity. So he's looking to, you know, he's going to be looking to players like Dybala and, and Lautaro Martinez in particular to deliver the goods. Angel Di Maria will be in the squad. Paredes will be in the squad. You know, there is a great deal of quality in there. You know, look at Premier League the centre backs like Romero, Martinez, Otamendi, a former Premier League centre back, will be there as well. They are pretty stacked in terms of their squad. And I think a lot of people think that they are going to go very deep into the competition. Yeah, and then we look at Group D and the French headline that with Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. Um, I have heard a couple of French journalists say that they think there's every chance that the French implode in this in this World Cup uh, because of the politics, internal politics, but it's hard to see them not getting out of this group. Now you would expect them to get out of the group, but I understand the reasoning behind the fears of another meltdown in terms of the personalities within the group. I mean, we saw that at the last major tournament at the European Championship. And they can at times be their own worst enemy. And I think, I've, I've said to you in the past, you and I have discussed the French national side before. And I think one of the biggest problems that Didier Deschamps has is the sheer depth of quality that he has. Because that actually creates, in a way, a problem for him. Because it's so hard to get the right blend, to pick the right 11. Because it, they could pick two or three 11s and they'd all be strong. So to get the right blend and the right balance and keep all those huge egos and personalities happy is a really difficult balancing act for Didier Deschamps. And it's about managing um, personalities, managing egos. That's a huge part of, of what he's got to do. It's, and so I, I, I tend to understand where they're coming from in that respect. So it'll be, there's no doubt for me that in terms of the European squads, 
France for me are are the the, the favourites of the European. I actually think I would put Brazil as my favourites to win the whole thing. Mm. But if you're looking to pick a favourite of the European nations, it's very difficult to look beyond France right now. That they are absolutely stacked in just about every position. They've got a, a wonderful array of players all right throughout the side. We're talking the World Cup. FIFA World Cup kicks off on Monday. Adam Summerton from BD, BT Sport with us. Uh, group E, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan. Would have been the group New Zealand was in if they could have gotten past Costa Rica in the qualifying, but you know, it would have been a quick plane trip home, I think, looking at that squad, mate. Uh, that Looking at that group, I should say. And for all money, looks like really a, a Spain-Germany shootout. It should be, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally rule out Japan. I, I think that there's... That there is, you know, some quality there. Um, they they intrigued me quite a bit, actually, Japan, as to what they could do at this tournament. Certainly, uh, I, I'm not sure that Germany are quite as strong as maybe they've been in in the past. There's a bit of a transitional element for me to to Germany right now, and they could be. I, I think I think Spain will be fine, but I, I just a slight concern over Germany. I'm, I'm quite intrigued to see how they do. This competition, I, I don't know if that, that's been your take as well, but I, I just think that, that if Japan would be the side that I would worry about if I were Germany right now in terms it could possibly cause them problems in that group. Well, Germany don't look like they've got a lot of goals in them and that's probably not helped with Timo Werner going out injured. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. That That is definitely a problem for them. Now, you know, we'll have a start. I mean, that's another question because um, there's Fulkrug there as well. He's been scoring a lot of goals in the Bundesliga and has got himself into the squad now. He might not be as big a name as maybe Havertz, who scored a winner in a Champions League final, but it's hard to look at Havertz and say that he deserves to be a nailed-on starter, doesn't it, for the side, when you look at his form for Chelsea. Um, and then you've got a guy who's scoring regularly in the domestic top flight. He may well go with Havertz, but I think that's an intriguing that's an intriguing situation for me as to who they... In, in a side that, as you rightly say, doesn't look like it's absolutely blessed with goals, certainly not natural goal scorers anyway. That, that's going to be a big question mark for me as to who leads the line. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do there, the Germans. They've got a lot of, of pieces, but they don't seem to have them in the right place at the moment. I think you're right. I think if you're looking for a group upset, then possibly Japan and Spain to go through there and the Germans to go out early. Uh, in Group F... Croatia, no one's talking about the Croatians. They were finalists at the last World Cup and they've still got Luka Modric and the players around them, it looks like they're actually probably stronger than last time. And they're in a group with the Belgians who look to be a fading force really outside of Kevin De Bruyne, Canada and Morocco. Yeah, I, I also like the look of Croatia and they, you know, they get underestimated every tournament, it feels like, doesn't it? And you look at Luka Modric, I mean, he's ageless, isn't he? I mean, it's just only after look at his performances in the Champions League last season, won the Champions League last season, has just been part of that Real Madrid side for so long now and just shows no real signs of slowing down. But, you know, another one that at the other end of the age spectrum that people might look out for is Marco Livaya. Um, I think 19, 19 or 20. Uh, and he's certainly somebody to keep an eye on. So the, the point I'm making in bringing him up as well is that it, it's not a case of it's just all the old stages. You know, there, there is a there, there is an evolution going on with with this Croatian side too, and there are you know fresher faces to keep an eye on too. So there might be a nice blend about them actually, Croatia. Yeah, I like the look of them, uh, and unbelievably, would you? Uh, they are eleventh favourites. 
last time's finalists, mm. 11th favourites, paying $36 at the moment uh, at the at the bookies over here anyway. So, yeah, I like them. And I think that Belgium should have enough to get out of that group. But I think ageing defence and, you know, a Lukaku and a, and, a, and a Hazard that aren't the players they were mean that they probably won't really threaten the title. Well, I think in terms of we looked at Belgium and they were among the favourites for several of the last major international tournaments. It was called their golden generation. It's almost like a cursed moniker, that, isn't it? When you consider you know, the England golden generation, as they were called, never won anything either. In terms of that Belgian golden generation, I think that has passed now. You know, this is the weakest looking Belgium squad, I think, for several tournaments. We've seen Lukaku's played hardly any football this season. At Inter, he's been injured pretty much the whole season so far, which has been a great frustration to, to Inter supporters. Um, so what we'll get from him is unclear. You know, as in, and as you've already alluded to, the, the defence, you know, at one point in time or another, you looked at the Belgian defence, you thought, you know, in terms of centre-halves, They've got some of the, or did have some of the best set of halves in, in Europe. You know, people at the time like Vertonghen and Alderweireld, who were, when they were at the top of their game, you looked at that and thought, wow, they, you know, they've, they've got a really good defence with Thibaut Courtois behind that as well. But as, and, and as you say, Ed Nazai has not really done it for a, a number of years now, consistently has had a lot of injury troubles. I think this will be the last chance, Ricardo, for Roberto Martinez to get it right at a major tournament. Um, so th- there's, a, there's a lot of pressure on him coming into this in terms of you know, if he wants to make, be in that position going forward as well. Group G, Brazil, everybody's favourites. I think the best balanced Brazil I can I can remember for a long time, a Neymar that seems to have uh, found... Um, what you call it, what's the right term? He, he's matured, I think, and, and, and has got a bit more of a level head. He's got a great, a uh, lot of great tools around him. He's got actual strikers, which Brazil struggled with last World Cup. They're in the group with Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon, who are all playing for second place, you fancy, and I'm, I quite like the Serbians to get that second place. But uh, for me, Brazil, I think you've already mentioned it, favourites for the World Cup. Yeah, I agree with you about the balance of the squad. I mean, the form is ridiculous. The amount of goals they've been scoring is ridiculous. Um, I mean, you look at the, the forwards that they've picked, and I mean, it's just obscene, really, isn't it? That they should have that much talent in one squad. You start to try and look for weaknesses, and it and it's it is really difficult. Um, it just looks exceptionally strong right throughout the squad. I'm not. I don't think that they'll necessarily have the problems with harmony either that, that France have, who are probably, for me, the on paper, the, the next strongest squad on paper. I don't see that that will be an issue with any Brazil side, though, Ricardo, going into a major tournament. There is an enormous amount of pressure. Uh, they, they've got to contend with that, and that is half, that's half the battle sometimes with Brazil's side. But you're right to highlight Neymar because he's in great form right now at PSG. I think that the penny has dropped with him in terms of it's maturity that you you spoke of. That he realizes that now, you know, how many more times is he going to get the chance to deliver in a World Cup? You know, it, it, he he's got to make the most of this opportunity, and it feels like he's got himself in great shape going into the the tournament. But there's even if he weren't on his game, I mean, you you got Richarlison, who, who yes has been injured of late, but plays brilliantly for Brazil. You've got so many other. I mean, we could be here all day talking about Brazil, and but even in the defensive side of things, they've got so much quality. I mean, Bremer, who's at Juventus now. I mean, he's somebody he probably won't start actually, but you know, it shows the strength that they've got. I mean, how well he's been playing for the last couple of years. That you know, he's only just recently got into the squad. I mean, that's ridiculous, really. I think it was in September he made his debut, and he's a fantastic player. You know. He, 
you got even if you just look the two defensive midfield players they've got there in Casemiro and Fabinho. I mean, Fabinho for me is an absolute Rolls Royce, and then Casemiro's won the Champions League four or five times. So yeah, absolutely stats all over the place. A great race for second. Uh, Serbia, I, I like a lot of their players. Milinkovic Savic is probably the pick of them for me. The Lazio player who is a fantastic source of creativity. 11 goals and 11 assists he got in Serie A last season. He runs on average 11 kilometres per game in Serie A, which is more than any other player in that league. Um, but, but there's a lot more to them than just him. Um, but I think it will be very tight for second with Switzerland and Cameroon because they're, they're not lacking in quality either. So I really like that group. I think that could be a really great group to watch. Yeah, and Group H is the final group and uh, this has been dubbed the group of death. Uh, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay and Korea Republic who may be without uh, uh, Son from Spurs. He did have an injury. They've named him but don't know how much he'll play. Uh, of course you have the Ronaldo circus at Portugal. Ghana looks strong. Uruguay are always there or thereabouts. It's a tough, tough one to pick this one. This is, for me, I would look at the group and whilst many of the groups, you'd say there's one team that stands out that you would expect nine times out of ten to win the group. This one, I find it harder to do that. I'd say this is really the group of death in terms of when it's hard to call the top two. Um, It's probably going to be one of the best groups to watch this. You've now got the whole Naldo story that feeds into this with the interview that he's given right ahead of the World Cup, that's obviously making a lot of story. Um, Colin Inch is over here, um, being hugely talked about. Um, you've got Ghana, who traditionally have always been one of the strongest African sides. Um, Uruguay have got good players as well. Um, I, I, I really like the look of Uruguay, actually. I, I'm intrigued to see what they do in terms of the forward line, in terms of you've got Suarez, who's been playing back home now. You've got Cavani, you've got Darwin Nunez at Liverpool as well. Um, you've got good midfielders like Ugarte, who I, who I thought was really good when I watched him play for Sporting in the Champions League. Got Vecino in there. There's, there's, there's many other players I could mention too. Uh, and South Korea as well. I mean, they've, you know, they've tended to, to do well at, at tournaments, haven't they? Um, and, and, I, and I think they've got some good players too. So it's a really, really tough group to call this one. I've, I find it almost impossible, really, to say who I think will finish in the top two of that. You could make a case for any of those teams, in my opinion. I'll make this prediction. Portugal-Uruguay will have the most red cards of any group game, um, just <laughs> because they're making for those teams. Possibly, yeah. Um, yeah, Portugal, it's hard to know what to expect from them. Um, you know, and I hate to keep going back to Ronaldo, but a lot of the debate will be, as it has been with Manchester United, really, are they better with him or without him? I think the question now with Manchester United has been answered pretty firmly this season. Uh, I mean, I, I would have said this before this season quite strongly, but other people were more split on it, that Manchester United clearly play better without him. Now, the, the, there will be people in Portugal who will feel it's sacrilege to say that Portugal are better without Cristiano Ronaldo. He is the captain. He almost certainly will start. But I think it's a very valid question to say. Um, does he? Are, will they function better without him in the side? I know that Jota not being there anymore is because he's injured. He's going to be a big miss on the left. But then such an exciting player in this side as well and how he'll fit in with the whole Ronaldo thing is Rafael Liao. Mm. Um, can be a little bit hot and cold, but he was the player of the year in Serie A last season, was... Uh, exceptional for Milan was one of the main reasons they won the league. You know, he's—I would think he would start on the left. Um, 
but the, the makeup of that side is particularly with Ronaldo and it, how they approach games, how they play. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how all that is managed with Portugal because you know on paper you look at the squad and they, they've, they've got the, the capability to go quite deep into the competition, but they've they've got to get it right in terms of their approach tactically. I think. Yeah, I think you're 100% correct on that one, Adam. Good stuff, mate. Hey, listen, thanks very much for giving us so much time and talking our World Cup groups with us. Enjoy the tournament, mate, and we'll catch up with you soon, eh? Cheers, mate. Good to talk to you. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.